Um, last week we uh, we talked about the, the principle of that school being our very own uh, Shante Brannon, who before last week was Shante Magar. She wasn't here last week because she was on her honeymoon, and uh, there's some real opportunities there to help that uh, Christian Academy as they try to help their community. We are in this little short sermon series that I'm calling Looking Out Our Back Door and trying to talk about some ways that we can show Christ to people right here in our community. And Grant Park Christian Academy is certainly one opportunity to do that. Um, you know, we challenge you to, to maybe pick up a uh, school supply bag that was on a table back here on the, uh, heading into the Family Life Center. First service last week took all the bags. So thank you for that. Uh, I made the same kind of plea in second service, and there were no bags to pick up. So there are more bags on the uh, table out here if you weren't able to get a, a bag to fill up with some school supplies. Small, medium, large, about $10 or $30 or $50, depending on uh, what you might feel moved to, to help with. And then also, I want to remind you to be prayerful about next Sunday which is our fifth Sunday of the month. Our leadership here has decided that everything over $10,000 of our regular contribution is going to go towards the Grant Park Christian Academy to help them uh, just do some of the things that just some bigger ticket items they really need to help to minister to those children in their community. So be prayerful uh, about that. I want to begin this morning by sharing with you an age-old preacher illustration. You've heard it a hundred times before, but it really does make a good point that I want to kind of talk about this morning. It was found on the, the bulletin front page of a, of a congregation, and here's what was written. The church was saddened this past week to learn of the death of one of its most prominent members, someone else. Someone's passing creates a vacancy that will be difficult to fill. Else has been with us for so many years. Someone did far more than a normal person's share of the work. Whenever there was a job to do, a class to teach, a meeting to attend, one name was on everyone's list. Let someone else do it. It was common knowledge that someone else was among the most generous givers of the church. Whenever there was a financial need, everyone just assumed that someone else would make up the difference. Someone else was a wonderful person, sometimes appearing superhuman, but a person can only do so much. With the truth known, we all expected far too much of someone else. Now, someone else is gone. And we wonder what we're going to do. Someone else left a wonderful example to follow, but who's going to do the things that someone else did? This morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about someone else. And the someone else that I want to talk to you about actually has a name. Actually, she has two names. We introduced her briefly last week. Uh, hers is a very powerful story, even though we know very little bit about her. This woman, to most people, was just someone else. She's never described in Scripture as being full of faith in the Holy Spirit, the way Stephen was described. Her name was never changed to the encourager. She never went on missionary trips with Paul the way Barnabas did. 
She never had a vision from God about a life-changing event the way Ananias did. This someone else was really kind of a nobody to the, to the community around her for the most part, but she was a nobody that somebody noticed. Her name is Dorcas. Some people call her Tabitha. And everything we know about this woman is found towards the end of Acts chapter 9 in just six verses. She never speaks in those six verses. In fact, in those six verses, she doesn't do anything. She doesn't really even move except to sit up from being previously dead, which is pretty impressive. But God brought her back to life for a reason. And the Holy Spirit chose to put her story in the Scripture for a reason. And this morning we want to take a look, a little closer look at this woman Dorcas and her story. Now a couple weeks ago, I talked about the Apostle Peter being in the town of Joppa. And being at the home of Simon the Tanner by the sea. And remember he was up on the roof at lunchtime and he has a vision of a sheet being lowered down. And there was unclean animals and and the Lord telling uh, Peter to kill and eat, and Peter kind of arguing with God that he was a good Jew, he couldn't do that. And as he's kind of wrestling with this whole concept, a knock on the door comes, and there's some people that were sent from Cornelius to bring him back to Caesarea. You all remember that story, right? Everybody do this? Yeah. What was Peter doing in Joppa? Why was he at the home of Simon the Tanner by the sea? Why was he even in the town of Joppa? Well, Peter was in the town of Joppa, but we know the story so well of him on the rooftop that day, but he was there because of someone else. He was in the town because of Dorcas. Let's go back and look at her story. It's a good one. It's in Acts chapter 9. You can open up your Bibles there. Most of you know that Acts chapter 9 is one of the most pivotal chapters in all of Scripture. There's some very significant things happening in Acts chapter 9, mainly because Paul of Tarsus is converted in Acts chapter 9. The conversion of Saul of Tarsus, who becomes Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, kind of dominates the first half of uh, the, the majority of Acts chapter 9. Now I've lost my place. I was trying so hard to ignore that. <laughs> By the way, I am not the guy to go, hey, silence those phones. I'm the guy who goes, oh, no, that's my phone. So I get it. I, I completely get it. Um, have we, did we show the video yet? Have we started? Yes, we did. Okay, good, good. I'm back. I'm back. Relax. I'm back. Acts chapter 9. Saul of Tarsus is, con is converted. Uh, but it's almost then as if we get to the end of that chapter, Luke completely changes gears and says, oh, by the way, Peter was pretty busy too. Let's take a look at uh, uh, what's going on in Acts chapter 9, verse 32. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, a paralytic, who had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. Now, a little bit of context here. By the time we get to Acts chapter 9, Paul has not yet established himself as kind of a major player in uh, the early church. Now, he's just been converted in Acts chapter 9. 
The same can't be said of Peter. Peter had very much established himself as a major player, as a, uh, a force uh, in the early church. In fact, the first part of Acts is really the exploits of Peter. His teaching, his preaching, his trials, his brushes with the law, and his healing. Peter is going around in the power of Jesus Christ healing people all over Palestine. You remember in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are on their way to the temple, and by the gate beautiful, there's a, a lame man that's expecting some money. And Peter and John tell him, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And, and the man gets up and walks. And by the time we get to Acts chapter 5, we read this about what Peter is up to. People brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Imagine the scene. Imagine this. People are bringing, the, the streets are lined with those who are lame, those who are sick, those who are in need, in hopes that maybe Peter's shadow would just fall on them. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and get this, all of them were healed. All of them were healed. Now, question. Do you think maybe Peter was a guy who had a lot of people pulling for his attention? Do you think maybe Peter was a guy who had a lot of people vying for his attention? Had a lot of people trying to get in touch with him? Had a lot of people trying to, to, to get him to come to their house, to their town? He was a pretty popular guy with everyone who was sick, everyone who was hurting, everyone who was demon-possessed. And at the end of Acts chapter 9, Peter spies himself in the town of Lydda. And once again, he's healing people in, in the name of Jesus. Once again, he's bringing glory to the Lord. And once again, he has everyone's attention. Back in Acts chapter 9, all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Peter was healing everyone. And through the power of Jesus, he was healing them completely. He was healing them immediately. Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. Peter was healing everyone. And because of that, people had, or Peter had a lot of people who were obviously demanding his attention. I would have been. Had I been in that situation, or if someone I'd loved been in that situation, I would have been, we've got to find Peter. If we could just get Peter here, if we could just get Peter to come to our house, to come to this bedside, that's what Dorcas's friends were thinking. If we could just get Peter. Remember, we pick up her story at her, at her funeral. Let's go back and read her story, all six verses. It's in Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 36. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please, come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived he was taken upstairs to the room 
all the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with him. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes. And seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and, and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa. And many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. That's your story. That's all that Scripture has to say about this woman named Dorcas. Only six verses. But it's a pretty amazing story. And I think it deals with a pretty amazing woman. Verse 36, she was always doing good and helping the poor. We talked a little bit about that last week. Question. If the Holy Spirit were going to describe you in one sentence, what would that sentence be? Did you ever think about that? If God wanted to describe you in one sentence, what would the sentence be? Wouldn't it be something if that sentence was, they were always doing good and helping the poor? That's how Luke, the inspired writer, describes Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. We don't know how old this woman was. A lot of experts think that she might have very well been a widow herself. Obviously, had some, she had some very strong relationships with widows there in Joppa. On the other hand, she might have, you know, she might have been older, but on the other hand, um, it appeared that they were surprised by her death. She seemed to have died before her time, certainly very saddened by it. I don't know how old she was. I can say with some level of certainty that Dorcas doesn't appear to be a mover and shaker uh, within the, the church Joppa. She doesn't appear to be a real you know, prime player. She doesn't seem to have any political connections. She doesn't seem to, to have a, 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 any amount of wealth to speak of. She was just someone else. Just a woman who was always doing good and helping the poor. With her story in mind, let me ask you a couple questions about her story and then try to make an observation or two uh, about her life as well. Uh, first question is this. Why did the friends of Dorcas send men to Lydda and beg Peter to come back to Joppa with them? Why did they send people to get Peter to bring him back to where Dorcas was? Because when this happened, when they sent people to get uh, Peter, Dorcas wasn't sick. She wasn't hurting. She wasn't injured. She wasn't demon-possessed. She was dead. She died. Why sin for Peter once this woman is already dead? Now, understand, Peter's doing some amazing things. And Peter is acting on the Lord's behalf. And Peter, certainly, like we already looked at, making uh, uh, you know, a lot of impressions, and people are, are recognizing what Peter is doing through the power of Jesus. 
But Peter had never brought anybody back to life before. He'd never been used by God in that kind of way. Now, he knew it could be done. Peter knew it could be done because he was with Jesus when Jesus did it once. In fact, if you look at Mark chapter 5, when Jesus brings back to life Jairus' daughter, that miracle and what Peter does in the home of Dorcas are almost a carbon copy. Peter does almost exactly what he witnessed Jesus do in bringing someone back to life. In fact, the only difference is, in Mark chapter 5, Jesus says, little girl, get up. The only difference is, Peter says, Tabitha, get up. Everything else is exactly the same. So Peter knew it could be done, but he'd never done it before. He'd never allowed God to, to, to do that through him before. But is that what Dorcas's friends were expecting? Were they expecting Peter to be used in a way that Peter was never used before? Were they expecting Peter to be used by God and bring their friend back to life? I kind of think they were. I kind of think that's what they were expecting. I don't think they sent for Peter to come preach a really great funeral service. I got to believe they were expecting a miracle. I think they were expecting God to do something in a really big way. When is the last time that you really and truly expected God to do something in a really big way? But I think that's what those friends of Dorcas were, were expecting. So let me ask you another question. Maybe they believed that Peter could raise her from the dead, but did they have any reason to believe that Peter would raise her from the dead? Now here's where I'm going with this. Think about it. God didn't bring Stephen back to life. Stephen, this amazing disciple who stoned just you know, a few chapters earlier, God didn't bring him back to life. God didn't bring John the Baptist back to life. He was a pretty amazing man. God didn't bring James back to life. Why would anyone expect that, that God might bring Dorcas back to life? Just this, this woman. Was, was Dorcas a, a great teacher that just couldn't be replaced? Was she a, a huge financial contributor? Was she a miracle worker? Well, she wasn't any of those things. She was just a lady who loved other people and served other people the only way she knew how. One sweater at a time. One robe at a time. One garment at a time. Why did God choose to bring her back to life? I don't know the answer to those questions, actually, but I do know this. Acts chapter 9 ends by saying, This became known all over Joppa. And many people believed in the Lord. Because of this miracle, a lot of people in Joppa learned something about God. Because of the miracle, a lot of people in Joppa believed in the Lord. The miracle had a tremendous impact on the town of Joppa. But don't miss the fact that Dorcas had a tremendous impact on that town as well. It was her kindness, it was her compassion that caused those disciples to go find Peter and bring him back. It was Dorcas's acts of kindness 
that convinced Peter to ask God to intervene. In a very quiet, quilting way, this sweet lady Dorcas, whose closest friends were widows, who never utters a word in Scripture, her compassion changed that town. So let me make a couple of practical applications as we wrap this up. First, acts of kindness, acts of compassion, never go unnoticed. They just don't. We think sometimes they do. Does anyone know? Does anyone even care what's going on? What's the use? But acts of compassion and acts of kindness never go unnoticed. People notice. You know why? Because there's not enough of them. There's not enough compassion and kindness and love in this world. And when people see it, it makes an impact. People notice. And God notices. Second observation. Dorcas used her talents to bless others. Verse 39 says, All the widows stood around him, talking about Peter, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Okay, Dorcas, what is your talent? Are you a great public speaker? Can you motivate people? Oh, no. Can you write a best-selling book? No. Can, can you make a giant financial contribution? Can't do that. So what's your talent? Well, I'm pretty handy with a needle and thread. Wait, what? Excuse me? No, no I can sew. I, I can make things. And she uses that talent as a blessing to other people. Peter, let us show you what she made, what she gave us. Let me show you what she, what she did for us. Now, I'm convinced that if, if Dorcas was a, a gifted cook, those people would have still been there talking about all the meals that she prepared for them. I think if she was a gifted painter, they'd have been bringing paintings to Peter and saying, look what she gave to me to kind of brighten up my life and brighten up my house. I think if she was a, a gifted singer, They'd have been talking about all the ways she used to sing and, and how beautiful it was and how encouraging it was. What she could do was so. And she used that gift, as simple as it might seem, to be a blessing to other people. And we've all got talents. Are you using those talents, whatever they might be, to glorify God? Which brings me to another observation. What we do for others, we do for the Lord. Now, intellectually, we all get it. What we do for others, we do for the Lord. Sure, we know Matthew chapter 25. Intellectually, we get it, but I'm not sure we really believe it. Because I think if we really believed it, we'd be doing a lot more for others. Especially others that the world tends to marginalize. You now, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is teaching, he's talking about judgment. He's talking about separating the, the saved and the lost. He uses the analogy of sheep and goats. He does this, this really neat thing when he's teaching. He uses this great teaching technique. And Jesus says, 
I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And, and I was sick and you took care of me. And I was in prison and you visited me. And I didn't have clothes and you brought me clothes. And everybody said, wait a minute. No, you didn't. And no, we didn't. That never happened. We never saw you in prison. We never saw you sick. And of course, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine... You did it for me. I really think that if we believed that, we'd be doing a lot more for the least of these brothers of mine. What we do for others, we do for the Lord. I think Dorcas proved that. People won't remember what you say. They won't always remember what you do, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. I don't think those widows in that room that day would ever forget how Dorcas made them feel because of her kindness, because of her compassion. People don't forget that. And again, neither does God. Which brings me to my final observation. Everybody is somebody to God. Everybody's somebody to God. Here's a woman who really to to the world around her was just someone else. No one important. Her body wasn't lying in state anywhere. Her death didn't make the headline news. You know, there wasn't a uh, uh, funeral in the, the Colosseum. Just a group of widows in a room, quiet and crying, she was just someone else. A nobody? Far from it. She was not a nobody. She was certainly someone. Someone very important to the women in that room and someone very important to God as well. Now you think about it, there's just a handful of people in all of Scripture that have ever been brought back to life once they had died. And one of those people was a really good seamstress in the town of Joppa named Dorcas, which makes her someone pretty special. To those around her who were in need, she was someone pretty special. And of course, so are you. And so is the person sitting beside you. And so is the person that you work with. And so is the person that you go to school with. And so is the person that looks like you and talks like you and acts like you and has so much in common with you. And so is the person that doesn't have very much at all in common with you. So is the person on the street corner. So is the person who's going to vote differently than you will in the election. Everybody is somebody special to God. Jesus died for Everybody. Let's all be someone else. Let's all be someone else. Those unnamed, underappreciated, unrecognized people who just kind of show up and do what needs to be done. Those people who just kind of show up and show love. Who just kind of show up and show Jesus sometimes in very quiet ways, 
that they think no one would ever notice. But people do. Let's show people that kind of love. Let's, let's be someone else. This morning, if you're subject to the Lord's invitation, it is open for you. Let's stand and sing.